So Assalamualaikum everyone. Um, sorry that we couldn't come live to you. We're having some technical issues, but alhamdulillah, um, we're able to still continue the discussion um, and, uh, and share it with you afterwards. Um, also, one of our speakers today, um, she has uh, a few calls going on in the hospital, so she wasn't able to join us, um, but she might be able to join us a little bit later, inshallah. Um, so Assalamualaikum, my name is Hasna. Um, I'm the founder and president of the Women's Mosque of America. Um, we are the nation's first uh, women-led Muslim house of worship. Um, and um, we teach women how to give the khutbah, how to lead prayer um, for the first time in their lives. And we hold our services in LA. Um, currently, we are adjusting to the pandemic and um, hosting events online instead. Um, and today, we're being joined by our experts, um, Dr. Hadia Zarzur and Zaria Horton, um, who are here because um, we took a poll uh, for the people who are uh, subscribed to our uh, newsletter. Um, and we heard from many of you that um, one topic you really like for us to cover is uh, the topic of coping with isolation and the pandemic. Um, we know a lot of you are struggling right now or you have people in your lives um, who are struggling or children. And so um, we wanted to bring these experts on here to get their feedback and their advice um, on the best ways that um, you can move forward during this time. Um, so if I can get the two of you to uh, give a quick bio, um, whoever would like to go first, go ahead. Well, I see Hadia is still on mute, so I'll go. <laughs> um, my name is Zaria Horton, and I am a mental health professional. Um, I've worked in mental health, um, oh wow, um, probably almost 20 years um, regarding uh, public mental health, working for a multiplicity of nonprofits, uh, primarily in the Southern, Southern California area. Um, and I have worked with special populations in particular. Um, so young teenage girls, as well as families and adults, uh, as well as uh, couples and seeking who have marital challenges. Um, on top of that, though, I also am a big volunteer. So I volunteer in the community um, in a lot of social service organizations. And so I also lend my services regarding um, mental health and working with people. Oh, and I also forgot, um, I am a mental health first aid uh, trainer. So that's how I really get to interact with the community. Um, my primary focus is providing mental health first aid to um, religious spaces. So religious communities focusing on Muslim, but actually I've been to plenty of different religious spaces. So again, just big goal is destigmatizing mental health and encouraging people uh, to be well and, and however that is for them. Great, thank you. Assalamu alaikum everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so I actually um, studied psychology and I was so much in love with this field um, since I was in Syria. I was born and raised in Syria. And but because of the stigma that was like more than 20 years ago, I had to have another degree in, edu in education and I and I was a teacher for like 10 years. I taught psychology at different settings. And then I was able to come here about 12 years ago to Chicago and to, uh, to you know, study psychology in more depth. And I'm a licensed therapist now and I'm a trainer focused on trauma. 
I've worked at different settings like uh, schools, hospitals, residential facilities, and community mental health agencies. And most of my experience here in Chicago has been with refugee communities, uh, refugees from different backgrounds. Um, so I'm, I'm very happy that you're bringing attention to mental health. Uh, so thank you for that. And Samia, you want to go ahead? Assalamualaikum everyone. My name is Samia. I'm the current part-time director of operations at the Women's Mosque of America. And I'm actually also in the mental health fields myself, although in a more non-traditional way. I'm a happiness expert and I coach and train people in how to take charge of their happiness. Awesome, thank you. Um, so Samia, uh, obviously we're not doing the live stream today, um, so she was gonna take your questions, but we do have plenty of questions um, that we've prepared for our speakers. So um, we'll just get right to it. So um, for uh, Dr. Hadia and uh, for Zaria, um, what is the current landscape looking like to you? What are you seeing out there, um, you know, in terms of how people are dealing with the, the pandemic, with isolation, um, with everything that's going on in the news? Um, can you guys kind of paint the picture uh, of what, what you've been observing? Yep, go ahead, doctor. Okay, I mean, for me, actually, I've been very happy seeing people um, being more open about seeking mental health services. I haven't worked with as many individuals as I I have recently like so it's it's I think this is one of the blessings I would say that people are because of this like kind of strange feelings I know we're going to talk more about that like whether it's like some anxiety symptoms or some like depression symptoms or this like discomfort um, it is um, uh, encouraging them to to understand themselves more and to uh, to seek services. And I have to say, maybe part of it is because, um, uh, you know, the, the, there has been a lot of talk about mental health in the past few months. Um, so, so with that, I mean, I mean, and what happens actually is what we see as the, they think that it's part, it's because of COVID they're having like certain problems, but it's just like on the surface. So that's, what gets me also excited because I feel like people are kind of now encouraged to 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 deal with problems that had been there for so long, and now that was that that kind of like thing that pushed them. So I'm really hopeful about that. That's a great point. That you know this is this time is actually a catalyst and is just bringing to the extreme whatever situation or underlying issues were already there. Um, so yeah, inshallah, that is um, that's definitely a hopeful way to to look at it and. In, Inshallah, we um, we hope that you know, um, in doing a program like this, people can also learn of ways that they can uh, deal with whatever issues they are dealing with already. Uh, Zaria, can you paint a picture for what you've been observing, or um, I know you have some really interesting statistics uh, about what's been going on right now. So there's a couple of there's several things that I'm observing. Um, I'm observing people be very uh, creative in the sense of thinking of really wonderful ways to reach out to people, um, in the sense of cooking classes, uh, WhatsApp. I've got like several groups going on WhatsApp uh, to encourage people to connect. Um, so people are looking, kind of thinking outside of the box. Um, I've had book clubs online. I'm seeing book clubs online as well as cooking classes, uh, people sharing recipes because they're cooking um, more at home and going out less. So there are, you know, so people, some people are eating better than they ever have before. 
Um, I have a friend who has basically got a, um, what are the, uh, oh gosh, what are everybody getting? I, I want to call it a pressure cooker, but that's the old school name. Um, a slow but, cooker? Yes, a slow cooker, but you know, the big, the, there's the big ones that everybody's getting, Hot but, pot. and I'm blanking on what those air fryers, oh, like air, air, fryer. fryer, yeah, <laughs> air fryers and what have you. Anyways, she had it for a year and never used it. Uh, and we were all talking about, you got this, she, you, you, and all of a sudden now she's like, oh, I just made this and I just made this. And this is a person who doesn't cook. So I'm just <laughs> saying like people are acquiring. So the positive, my positive spin is people are acquiring new skills and figuring out new ways to connect, um, to, connect to people. The other piece though is I'm also seeing um, that uh, women in particular are who are many times take on more duties uh, as far as household child responsibilities are finding themselves taking over more, taking on more and more. Uh, and so they're juggling more um, and it's challenging. And so here's the thing, you're wearing, you already wore multiple hats. You already mom, um, possibly, you know, a partner, um, and an employee if you were working. Um, and now you've become a teacher, you've become a nurse, um, full-time activity coordinator, um, and that's a lot of roles to be juggling. And so, uh, and we're finding that this is, you know, it's wearing on people um, disproportionately because women are taking on these roles. Also, women disproportionately are um, single parents and head of households in that sense. So again, just being mindful of, there's already a challenge of being, you know, of everybody experiencing safer at home and this pandemic, but then these extra roles. Um, there's, a, there's other like areas, not, I, I'm in Southern, you know, I'm in LA, um, where they're actually trying to get the schools to go back because parents are really, uh, you know, really struggling trying to multitask and work jobs um, with, you know, as well as providing home, like homeschool. Um, and so just being, you know, mindful of that. Um, and I'm also seeing people who are very isolated because they were single people. Um, they may not have been close to their home, like family, meaning geographic is what I'm referring to. I mean, even if they were geographically pretty close to their family due to, um, their family members being possibly vulnerable to COVID, they have stayed away for safety purposes. Mm -hmm. So again, some people whose outlet was interacting with people at work now don't have that. Um, and if we're looking at children, um, for some children, speaking as an only child, um, but also uh, for children who, you know, even, even only children, um, who do they interact with? Who's their age? School was a wonderful way for just learning, not only learning socialization skills, but interacting with their peers. Um, and for some people who, you know, if they socially isolated kind of as a small unit, they might not be getting that. So again, that's the other piece. And we're gonna talk a little, you know, more about isolation, but that's one of, but those are kind of a few things that I'm seeing um, that people who are isolated, they're really, um, depending on what it is, struggling to make connection um, and, and it can be challenging. So those are my kind of juxtapositions, the yin and the yang. People who, who have figured out ways to kind of, it's not perfect, but figured out ways to kind of cope. Uh, and then other people who are kind of having some challenges 
um, regarding the way because there's so many tasks. And I, and I, lastly, and I know that was a pretty long thing to say, I also want to, you know, encourage people to give themselves grace um, and really give yourself grace, um, really protect your peace. Because I find people are like comparing themselves to other people, um, which is honestly never a good thing. And on top of that, comparing themselves to pre-pandemic. Well, pre-pandemic, I did blah, 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 blah. Well, pre-pandemic, you had access to a lot of things you don't have access to. So give yourself the grace to go, hey, I'm under personal strain, I'm under anxiety, I'm under just unusual circumstances. So it may not look like I, I may not look physically, my, my wallet, my resources may not look the same as they did pre-COVID. My house cleaning, main, my house maintenance may not look the same as pre-COVID. My hair and nails may not look the same as pre-COVID. So again, you know, giving yourself that grace to say it doesn't and you if you're doing the best you can giving yourself the pat on the back to say hey i'm doing the best i can it's not perfect because nobody is thank you for saying that yeah it, it is really easy to you know look at this time and fall into the trap of comparing it to how you were doing before which is such an unfair comparison um so how would someone know then um how would they be able to differentiate and know if they are actually suffering if they actually do need to um take greater action than than they already have been um or for someone they love how what are the telltale signs that someone is suffering emotionally or mentally we, we all have like certain levels of stress right like we all have you know we all feel sad we feel anxious um, uh, the many things here we need to look at um, what are the symptoms and how long we've been struggling with them and how much they're affecting the way that we're functioning so for example when we say okay I'm a person who, who feels like now that I I'm, I'm sad or like I feel like I just want to cry and I and I want to isolate myself even when we know we're not seeing people much but even like I'm not talking to people I feel like I'm not having um, uh, interest in, in doing things that I used to do, even when I have the symptoms, uh, even when I have, let's say, also the w worries, uh, how much, uh, how negative we think about the world or about our lives. What really matters is the period of time that we're having those um, uh, symptoms and uh, it, it affects, as I said, the, our, our functionality. So let's say, like, you know, am I able to do the homework at the time I was a student the way that I used to? Am I, am I able to do the housework that I used to? Um, so that's kind of like how sometimes a person themselves don't be able to, to tell. Sometimes people around them will be like, you know, what's wrong? You haven't, for example, taken care of yourself for so long. I feel like you're, you've been talking in a negative way for for, you know some time so it's really kind of being we will see it when people start uh, talking about like okay what is this life it's not worth living I feel I'm worthless um, it's 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 just like we need to pay attention to what people say and what they do sometimes even isolating themselves is them, them telling us something so mm -hmm. paying attention to any differences and how long they, they 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 do it and then there has been a lot of talk through like throughout those months about 
what are what are the, the the symptoms how how do we know as the the ones that i mentioned you know we're like preoccupied with all of negativity and we feel like paralyzed and and sometimes when we're not really sure we can this is the time really to ask a professional and say okay we have this i have many clients actually i have like the parents or the siblings of clients because the clients themselves or people who don't need help who need help i mean they don't come so i have people who, who would call on on their behalf yeah, no, that's helpful. And, um, and, you know, in, t in reaching out, you know, we've, uh, one of the things we really like to stress at the Women's Mosque is mental health. And um, we have had several khatibas talk about, you know, this is actually how you reach out to a mental health professional. Um, what are some of the uh, maybe stigmas or some of the, um, you know, uh, obstacles that are in the way, uh, specifically for Muslims that you've observed? Because um, sometimes there can be um, a misunderstanding um, where people might say, oh, you don't need to, you know, uh, go see a therapist, just read the Quran. Um, and I've been guilty of, of, you know, thinking things like that. I, don't, I hope I've never said anything that insensitive. But, um, but yeah, we can sometimes fall into that trap. So what are some of those, um, those uh, maybe obstacles or um, push uh, pushback that you've seen um, from Muslims, especially um, in regards to mental health. And actually, it looks like uh, Sunda just joined. Let me admit her to the room. Perfect timing. We're glad to have you with us. Um, can you just give a, a quick um, uh, bio, and then you can actually help us answer this question. We were um, we were just about to ask you questions, so perfect timing. Go ahead and, and introduce yourself, though. Assalamualaikum. My name is Sundus Khuluqi. Um, I currently serve as a healthcare chaplain and a community chaplain in Southern California. Um, I obtained my Master of Divinity degree in Islamic chaplaincy from Bayan uh, Islamic Graduate School, and I completed uh, my chaplaincy training, five units of clinical pastoral education, at uh, a local hospital here in Southern California. I am a mother of two teenagers and um, that has been quite a ride. And I'm currently serving as Vice President of Healthcare Chaplains for the Association of Muslim Chaplains AIMS. Okay, great, thank you. Um, and this question I think might be suited for you first of all, um, but I'd love to hear from everybody. Um, but we were just asking, um, what's some of the common pushback that you've heard um, from Muslims in particular when it comes to the topic of seeking mental health help? Um, or, you know, saying things like, um, you know, you don't need to, to go see a professional, you already have everything you need within the Quran, things like that. Um, so what are some common things you've heard um, and uh, how do you reconcile uh, mental health um, help and Islam? Is this for me, Hasna? Yeah, yes, for you, okay. for everyone, uh, but first for you because we'd love to hear from you. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Um, so I'm within the spiritual health uh, profession, but what I do understand from folks who are hesitant about um, seeing a chaplain, for example, at a hospital is a little bit about what you introduced in the question is this idea of we have everything in our tradition that we need, you know, alhamdulillah, everything is going to be fine, which both statements are true, right? We do have all the tools that we need. Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us plenty for, for coping and being able to get through the trials and tribulations of this world. But then at the same time, there is a process that needs to be addressed. There's a, a mentor of mine, a chaplain mentor, who 
calls this phenomenon emotional constipation mm. among Muslims, that we, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable um, sitting in our emotions, uh, displaying our emotions. Uh, maybe there's some some misperception that uh, to display grief or to to display anger, for example, at something that's happening is perceived as as somebody who's lacking in faith, um, which is so not the case at all. Because we know that our beloved prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, was a man who displayed emotion easily and quite regularly, which is something that we need to pause and and take notice of. Because in those times, in that culture. That was something that wasn't kind of like today, right? Um, it wasn't something that was happening all the time. And so if he is our model for the way of being in the world, we can take from that, um, from his emotional uh, intelligence as well. So I think that uh, this this idea, and I'll speak to that, to that point, that um, people will think that it's a lack of, of faith. Um, and there's also probably some hesitancy or misinformation around what it means to seek help um, from a mental health professional, but I will hand it over to the mental health professionals to expound more on that. Sure, thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you, Sundos. I mean, I mean, as, as you said, like it's, it's, there's, there isn't a lot of information. Now, I mean, as I said, I've been seeing a lot of people, so alhamdulillah for COVID, like the people have been really encouraged to to seek help, but we need to see more of that. People think that usually it's like more about serious mental illness. And I always say like, it's, it's from the name, it's mental health. It's about how we get to know ourselves more, how to understand our feelings more and how we understand like that we're different than other people. And you know, sometimes you, you know, you have like a, a couple or siblings that have different personalities and, and they, we, they always assume that people should behave in a certain way. And that's kind of, uh, creates conflicts and uh, problems. So, so the, it's very important to keep talking about, about the idea that it's part of the, the, the human beings. Like the, the, it's, it's, it's very important to keep this health or the, to keep psychologically uh, strong. Um, uh, another thing I would say that people really worry about is the idea of confidentiality. That's another thing, especially if you're in the same community, people will be like, no, I don't want other people to know about my problems. So it's really difficult. I mean, uh, um, a lot of times, like people that I see are like from different communities, not from my own community in Chicago. Um, um, and and you know, the the third thing would be, as Sundo said, like the idea that you know there is this conflict, or we think that if we um, if we seek like mental health support, that means there's something wrong with our faith. Um, so although again, like I I we know that we always we always say it's like physical health you know even even in our religion if we have something if we're like someone has like cancer or has diabetes high blood pressure we wouldn't tell them just you know make dua and things will be great i mean we we, we so much believe in dua but but we know that we're we are responsible to to seek out any kind of support that we can so it's exact the same exact way that we see doctors and we say okay we we seek like the try to seek the best treatment at the same time we make a lot of dua and we we uh, we, we turn to allah same thing with with any psychological problem that we face so i think it's very important that we keep it simple for people i mean even for me like i learned sometimes like i I wouldn't, for example, say that I'm specialized in trauma. I see that people, it's kind of pushes them away and they feel like, oh my God, this is really serious. Sometimes I say like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a, 
uh, feelings doctor or like kind of I try to joke to them about it not necessarily giving them any title because that can confuse them I would just say I, I'm hoping that I live to the time that we uh, that we have those calls from uh, clinics when they say when was the last time you had your well-being checkup or psychological checkup and the only way that we can like have it as we have it from like physical doctors is by keep like, you know, the stock going. And, and even when, if I go to therapists that I say, okay, this was my experience, this, because that's another thing. Like some people do go to therapists, but they feel still that they're embarrassed to talk about it as if there is something really wrong with it. That's such a great point just about holistic health. Um, you know, we would never ignore our physical health and say that, you know, where just religion alone can um, can, you know, improve our heart rate and all of that, <laughs> like, um, to, to really look at the, the whole human body and soul and mind, um, and take care of this vessel that we have been given, um, for the sake of Allah. Um, Zaria, did you have anything you want to say about that? I totally agree with what everyone else has said. I will, um, also add that I think that there can also be like cultural mistrust of mental health um and that you know besides the weakness of faith with I, which i totally agree people do believe that um but i also think that people are uh may uh and what i'm going to say is constantly use i'm going to use the word trauma in the sense of uh people are so used to depending on what your background cultural ethnic background or what you've experienced that's normal so you know what is the reason you need to go see someone about it because I didn't see anything, anybody, grandma didn't see anybody, like those type of cultural norms as well that basically continue to allow for this kind of um, generational stress uh, that we, and generational trauma uh, that many times we don't, we don't know, you know, we're thinking causes other physical problems. Um, also shame and stigma. You know, physical uh, health issues many times are one of the reasons why people present and uh, and they're what we call psychosomatic complaints is they're having physical problems that actually are manifesting our manifestation of their mental health challenges. And it's due to shame and stigma that people will be like, oh, it's okay for me to say I have a stomach ache, I have a headache, I have insomnia, um, which can all be symptoms of uh, multiple different things, but for me to say that I have that because I'm, I have, uh, I may be experiencing depression, they can't, you know, we can't talk about that because that would mean also that I am physically flawed um, because that's the other piece. You know, when we come from small communities, some people come from very large communities where they can kind of, you know, no one, you know, knows them or what have you, but going back to what Dr. Hadia said regarding, you know, people worried about confidentiality. The other piece is I don't want people to know that someone in my household has a problem because if so-and-so's depressed or if so-and-so's uh, di been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, then no one's going to want to marry into my family um, because they're going to think we all got problems, um, you know, mental health problems. And there's a very different stigmatization regarding someone saying, well, we all have high blood pressure and bad teeth. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that seems to be okay. Like, you know, everybody's short. My, I mean, you know, and I'm not minimizing it. I'm just pointing that out that how we, we can gloss over that and be like, oh, okay, well, that's fine, you know. Um, but don't anybody mention, you know, that they have this um, that's a mental health challenge. And that's kind of one of the reasons why 
we want people to share, you know, it's like sharing their status because to normalize it, just like I'm proud to be, you know, if somebody mentions, I'm proud to be this, um, you know, I have asthma. Lots of people have asthma. No one's going to be like, oh, I'm not going to marry you because you have asthma. But, you know, if I were to say, oh, well, you know, I also have been diagnosed with, um, with chronic depression and just put it out there like that. There's a, there's a different judgment regarding that. So I think that's also the piece that we kind of have to circle around. And I would also say spiritually, you know, for me, when I'm spiritually in tune, um, many times I actually emotionally can handle, I feel like it's, it's a yin and the yang type of thing. Sometimes I can actually do better when, and, and my spirituality can provide me with the hope. So if I got some tools, coping strategies from a mental health professional, and then I kind of co-mix that, mix that with my spiritual practices, actually, sometimes I feel better and more hopeful. And I think people feel like if I, you know, if I get uh, tips from a mental health professional, I then can't practice my spiritual spirituality like they're not diametrically opposed they can actually enhance each other and i think sometimes we we miss that piece we we feel like it's either all or nothing no we are multifaceted people and we can you know nothing to stop us from praying zikr will do you know reading quran like you know um there's nothing to stop that as well as hey i go to a therapist and i attend a support group like they're not diametrically opposed. I think yeah. really oh, go ahead, Dr. I just want to uh, say uh, something that, uh, about this point, Zaria, that people don't know that we always ask about the, the, their faith and their religious practices and if they're spiritual or not. In all of the places that I worked at, in the assessment, we always have this question. I mean, even for me, as I said, when I did psychology back in Syria, like more than 20 years ago, we thought that was the time when there was like this divorce between psychology and, and religion. While when I came to Chicago uh, in 2009, they told us, if you have someone, if you have a client who has faith, then you're halfway through the, through the treatment. And I, yeah. always, I always tell that to my clients and they feel like, wow, you know, and so, so when people know that we ask about that and actually it helps us, because, you know, they're giving their, they are introducing us to the tools that, that would help them. So it's like, for us, it's like organizing all of that, that they have and trying to, you know, help them utilize the things that they already have uh, in order to, to feel better. That's interesting. I had no idea that, you know, it was that religion and faith were recognized uh, by the mental health field in such a powerful way. Yeah, it's a considered a tool of resilience. Wow. Resiliency is really important. And if you've already have a faith tradition that talks about resiliency, that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's huge versus not having any type of uh, kind of foundation of resiliency, of hope, of, you know, I can help myself or, uh, you know, support in that sense. That's beautiful. Um, I remember once Zaria talking to you and you were telling me why um, you're passionate about um, getting children, um, you know, uh, catching uh, mental health issues um, early on in children because you said, um, and I don't want to misquote you, but I think you said something like, you know, every one of the adults that comes into your practice, um, they've been suffering since they were children. And if someone had helped them as a child, um, you know, that would have been a, a lifetime um, that, that they could have uh, 
not been suffering. Um, and so why don't we talk a little bit now about children um, during the pandemic? Um, because obviously, you know, this has been in the news that um, the majority of them are, um, uh, you know, not going to school in person anymore. They're uh, either um, uh, doing it via video chat um, or um, other, you know, sort of hybrid models. Um, so maybe, uh, Sundas, you can talk about this since you do have children. Um, what have you observed uh, going on uh, with children, um, the particular struggles that they are facing right now, um, and what are some ways that we can, um, we can help them? I have a 12-year-old, almost 13-year-old, and a 14-year-old, and um, it's very interesting, boy and a girl, and they've both coped with it very differently. So you can imagine two kids brought up in the same household, same parents, and yet their personalities um, uh, kind of paved a, a different way forward for them. My son struggled a lot. Um, the 14-year-old who is starting high school um, I noticed that about, so uh, COVID, you know, hit in March, they continued online in school. He had summer school. The minute summer school finished and there was like a six week lag where he didn't have anything going on. Um, he's a very active boy. He loves to work out. He goes running, he does, you know, lifting weights and all of that basketball. Um, that started to decrease and decrease and decrease. And he just started getting more lethargic starting spending more time, you know, on his laptop. Um, and, uh, and I, I was, you know, I was kind of watching and then like maybe a week into it, I'm like, you know, I noticed that you're not moving around. You're not doing it. He's like, mom, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like I have any energy. I don't feel like I have any motivation. Um, it's just not fun anymore. Cause also his friends, you know, parents were not allowing, you know, the kids to get together Their The basketball courts were shut down. Um, so it seemed like any outlet for him was kind of getting blocked and he was doing everything alone. Um, and so he, you know, I, I've never seen that before in him. He was just really down, uh, really didn't have any motivation or energy to do anything. Um, and I felt like kids not only need structure, but we all as human beings, we also need purpose. We need to wake up every day feeling like we've got something to do. We're accomplishing something. And it's not also just about doing, but the doing also spends on our being, subhanAllah. Um, and so uh, we worked out a plan where we could actually get him a job, quote unquote, because he was only 14 years old, or he's only 14 years old, rather, um, just to get him out there um, at a family member's store. And he spent maybe three to four hours a day. But it was amazing to see the difference that it made to have him wake up and feel like I'm going to work today, right? I, I have something to contribute. I think innately, we are we are wired to serve and to to be productive, to have this contribution towards society. And so subhanAllah, that completely turned around. But even today, so he went back to school yesterday to high school in person. Now, even this morning, we were sitting down next to each other working and he's like, mom, it just, there are no fun things to do. There are no activities at school. We just go and we learn and we come home. And I was like, yeah, it sucks. It's, it's not a fun time. It's like, I hope it's gonna be over soon. So keeping those lines of communication were really helpful and just kind of watching and, and knowing your child. Um, and then really quickly, my daughter, um, is very social and she has a, you know, a great social life, mashallah. And so she keeps up with all her friends on the phone and talks to them. And, um, she wasn't as affected, subhanAllah, um, because she was able to keep, uh, those, uh, communication lines open. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any negative effects, negative, um, 
I, I think that she did okay. I, I really just, I, I think I struggled with my son uh, a little bit more. So that's my personal experience kind of watching and, and realizing kind of the different things, but we'll see how we'll see how the rest of the year plays out. I think what I did is I also set expectations for them that this may not be um, over, quote unquote, for quite a while. Yeah, and, and it's so interesting too because people have different ways of connecting with others. You know, sometimes it's not verbal and not uh, through communication. Playing basketball, especially for boys, bonding together in that physical way, um, you can't really recreate that. So that that is a very important point to make um, just about everybody being different and there being different solutions. But um, that's that's an amazing uh, solution that you guys came up with. Um, and I know, Dr. Hadia, you wanted to talk a little bit about um, purpose and how, you know, people uh, before the pandemic um, were already dealing with these issues that maybe the pandemic has exacerbated, but um, that they can finally deal with these issues. So can you talk a little bit about um, how does someone find purpose if they are suffering in this? way when we think about emotions like every every emotion has a role or has a function so subhanallah so i mean people i don't know like if we can say like mostly because of technology i've heard a lot of people talk about uh, loneliness or anxiety especially uh, with teenagers and you see people are surrounded that's before the pandemic i'm saying like uh, uh, you see people like living with their families and and you know doing their roles but still when, when they come to me, they say like, I'm really struggling with this loneliness. And, and um, so that, that's an issue as, as because like most of our communication has been like through those devices and we were not really putting a lot of effort in, in connecting uh, in person. And subhanAllah, even, even, I mean, we're really thankful for this technology because when you think about it now, we are able to talk because like, you know, there's this technology, uh, having uh, telehealth is a huge uh, blessing, but, it's never it's never the same so even even with my fellow like therapists we always say like yeah we are we are thankful but it's never the same as me meeting the clients at the office in person there's something about this connection when we see each other even if i'm like you know like looking at you in the camera but there's something about being in the presence of the other person so 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 we have this problem from before now what's happening is that everyone is feeling it regardless to the amount of like that, their 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 phones or social media usage. Uh, what's really helpful, and I've been, you know, like alhamdulillah, successfully doing this with every single client, is that this question of like, okay, how do you perceive what's happening now? Mm -hmm. And you know, like, and, and this opens like a lot of uh, conversations about this life and and uh, the purpose of this life. And and with all the people, even with their initial assessments, when when they said we're not considered religious or or uh, spiritual they still said we believe there's something there's a higher power mm -hmm. and uh, there's something so we're trying to 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 think about what we need to do so so to summarize like when we i mean whether we think about like really any difficulty that we go through uh, uh before the pandemic or now during the pandemic if we don't get to the purpose as sundos said that's the most important thing we we would just feel like we would feel depressed what is this life about 
you know, like we, ha we all know that we have this limited life and, and we're all having different obstacles. And then we need, we need just to, to sometimes those feelings of like an anxiety or depression symptoms or this loneliness, actually they're, they're very good for us to move us to kind of look for the purpose that we have or that we can have. So some people like, like even as, as Zaria said, like they didn't know what to do. So they became so creative about cooking. They became so creative about reading books. They became very creative about even uh, doing those parties. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, purposes ca can be like different from people, a person to another. Some, a lot of people were helping others. Like they feel like, okay, how can I help them? Now people are, are getting sick. How can I help my community? How can I help the, the elderly? So, so I, I think that's, that's a really, uh, and alhamdulillah, it's, it's just a blessing to think of like, okay, since I can't control the situation, I don't know what's going to happen after one hour, after five minutes from now. Okay, so what is this life about? So it's, this loneliness is really pushing them. I mean, they, when they come to therapy, they wouldn't know that this is what we're, we're going to talk about. It's like, okay, what, what is this? You know? But then really, it's like looking at the bigger picture of what is this like about, life about? What can we control? What can't we control? Therefore, what's the action plan? What can we do? And there is something also, I'll end with this, about this point, which is people think that they need to have certain feelings to be able to do something. So let's say, oh, I need to feel when I'm energetic, I will go for a walk. It's like, no, it's like really pushing yourself. It's like when I feel like it, people use this a lot. You know, I will call, for example, my, my mom or I will call my grandma when I feel like it or when I'm feeling a little bit better. The thing is, it's the opposite. It's like, okay, you need to do the action. Therefore, you get the feeling. And I mean, it's great if you have like, if you're so, you know, like if you have this feeling to, to kind of talk to people and connect to them, it's actually the secret is like, when you don't feel like doing these things, push yourself. So even, so when you feel lonely, this is when you try to think of like, who can I help so I can get less lonely? It's not the other way around. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. What I have observed is sometimes people will um, maybe out of shame and embarrassment, or maybe out of a sense of perfectionism, feel like, I don't want to burden anyone else. I want to wait until I feel better or feel like myself before I reach out to a friend and talk to them. Um, but really, this is this is what makes friendships, I think, and what deepens those connections is that you go beyond the superficial level and you really learn to rely on one an another and um, get to know people on a more intimate level. Where um, you know you might not know what they're they're suffering with. You know, you might think you're reaching out for your problem, but um, maybe they also are going through something and and the two of you exchanging um, and leaning on each other could really help both of you. Both of you touched on the beauty of exercise and I think we you know in talking about when Sundos gave the example of her son uh, and then Dr. Hadi you talked about you know when I feel better I'll go out and exercise. Um, one of the things that we realize I mean that stats you know research shows um, that exercise is therapeutic. You feel better when, you know, you get those endorphins going. Um, and, you know, you feel, and also, if you walk 15 minutes, you have that sense of, I walk 15 minutes. That's a huge sense of accomplishment. So again, you feel a success. Mo on multiple levels, exercise can provide a benefit. And I think, you, you know, you both hit on the fact that um, one of the sadnesses is for people who greatly depended on exercise or maybe didn't even realize how much exercise influenced their life and their mental health, this has kind of been an eye-opening experience because you mentioned 
the gyms are closed. If you were, if, if going to the gym was one of your regular things, now you've got to figure out what you can do um, regarding that. Um, and also, as soon as you hit on that sense of purpose, one of the things, you know, we were asked to look at isolation. And, uh, and one of the things that uh, is key that many, you know, many, many, many health, uh, mental health professionals suggest is daily scheduling, schedule yourself, give yourself a sense of purpose. And you did that for your son. The more that you can say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. That allows one, you have a hope for tomorrow. So if you're just ruminating in today sucked, which sometimes today sucks, you can then say, okay, what can I do tomorrow to add to my schedule? You know, what can I learn? What can I do? Um, right, that's and, so on point because they keep, I noticed that they both have increased in asking me what's happening tomorrow. What are we doing this weekend? That's really interesting. They see that now I'm connecting the two. They really crave that like, okay, today didn't go the way I wanted it to, but is tomorrow going to look any better? What about the weekend? Is there something to look forward to? Yeah. So as we say, obviously, inshallah, tomorrow will be a better day. Inshallah, the weekend will be better. So, you know, and that's a way to kind of give that hope and build in, you know, tools for people to self-soothe and self-help themselves um, regarding that. Um, you know, and I also, you know, it's hard, like when you're used to being, we talked about like, you know, prior to like going live, the importance of being outside and how, you know, we're so safer at home has really, uh, for many of us who like to walk and like to hike and, you know, just even sunbathe, just sit out there and be like, look, the sun is shining. What a blessing, mashallah, you know, um, that's a challenge. Um, and, you know, you find yourself like staying more, you know, more indoors. So again, just reflecting on looking at building, you know, building outside time, even if that's just 15 minutes, taking a lawn chair or, you know, that you can safely, healthily distance and sitting it outside and be like, look, the blessing is the sun came up and it's a nice day uh, in that sense. So again, also finding, um, finding little pieces, you know, little pieces of joy, uh, little pieces of happiness and small things. Because sometimes we want spectacular, like um, images of, of greatness or things or big goals. Another thing to cope with uh, isolation is breaking down tasks into small, doable things. So I, I don't go outside and I'm missing that. Five minutes outside. We all got cell phones, set myself five minutes, even if I just sit on the steps, try to avoid people so I can, you know, socially distance. Um, that's even if I have to sit there out there with a mask, that was five minutes of sunshine. So sometimes it's also just, again, small, small tasks. And then on top of that, looking at the, looking at your schedule, um, I know I am a horrible journaler. So look, sometimes this is a do as I do as I suggest, maybe not as I do. So I'm going to out myself already. Uh, I'm an awful journaler, awful. Um, but it, it's, it's uh, but I am going to say for some people, it's great. So another way to check in regarding that schedule that I suggest is to have that check in. How do I feel? How do I feel after doing this activity? How do I feel at the end of the day? Writing that down, just kind of keeping, again, not a log of, you know, negativity, but a log of just personal check-in and staying attuned. Uh, if you have people to connect with, you can share that log in. How do you guys, you know, let's just do our daily wellness check. 
Um, another tip I'm going to suggest, because I know we're supposed to give solutions here, um, is, uh, and I don't have this, but you can look it online, is Google the heart check. Uh, and one of that is each heart color has a different feeling. And if you have a little group of friends and maybe you don't all have time to talk to each other, just say, hey, hey, I'm just doing a, you know, send them, send them this, you know, picture. You know, we are always sending, you know, hopefully things that we're sending things to people. Um, and this is a group of friends or an individual just checking in. You're busy, you may, you know, but if somebody sends you back, you know, a color that's saying to you, oh, I'm concerned, you know what I mean? Uh, then that's a time for you to say, look, can't talk to you right now, but I'm gonna follow up with you in such and such, just wanna connect. You would be surprised at, again, you know, because it, I'm speaking to that, um, Hasna, you mentioned a burden. Sometimes we don't wanna be a burden on people. So again, this is a simple way to check in with someone without being a burden. This is also great for kids. Um, you know, also feeling charts are great because if you're not good at sometimes expressing yourself, you know, colors, feelings can be helpful in doing that. So again, just throwing out, I know that was like uh, multiple solutions, but I'm just kind of trying to throw out um, whatever resonates or sticks with our audience, you know, use that, um, you know, but that's another way to kind of help with isolation, connect with others um, or connect with yourself. You know, sometimes just looking out, if you had kind of, you thought about the day kind of morbidly, and then you're like, wait a minute though, I accomplished this task, I accomplished this task, I sat outside for five minutes, and I circled the parking lot another five minutes. That's more than I did yesterday. Awesome, 10 for me. It might be just as simple as that. You're not talking to anybody, nobody knows you did it, but you know you did it. And so maybe that, if you're a person who's living alone, that's maybe how you uplift yourself. If you have people to join you, you're, you're socially, you know, healthily distancing and safer at home with two or three, you know, people um, or a, a helpful pet, <laughs> then, you know, you can take them out there with you if, you know, and that may be, again, a way to interact that's out of the same space that you've been interacting, because that's also another piece, change of scenery <laughs> can be very helpful uh, as well, um, you know, so I will stop at that. But you know, hopefully that's some solutions that someone could could utilize. Yeah, thank you. And it's such an important point you made about um, you know, I think as Muslims we are we're trained to be grateful to God. Um, I think a lot of times, especially for women, um, we suffer from blameworthy modesty where we're so trained to be humble and uh, modest that we don't even wanna look at anything good that we've done at all. Um, and I think in times like this, what you said about taking account of, these are all the achievements I accomplished and to feel good about that, um, not try to hide it from yourself, but to really celebrate that, um, I think is very helpful. So thank you for all of those great tips. And simple things like taking a shower. I don't mean to be like funny or haha. I'm not laughing at that. I'm I'm serious when I say you're at home and you're just like I took a shower today. I put on lipstick. Great. Like make it small increments that are doable. Um, because sometimes we don't even give our it. We have to have these grand gestures. Not everything's a grand gesture, but it's a gesture of self love and self care. So it's a grand gesture internally, you know, and externally. Sometimes we forget those things. Um, Sundas, do you have any um, 
any advice or, or how would you differentiate really from spiritual health versus emotional health? And what advice would you give spiritually in these times? Um, that's a great question. I, I think we touched upon it a little bit in our discussion here, but uh, what Dr. Hadia was saying about emotions being like Allah's a gift to us in order for us to, to pay more attention to what's going on in our bodies. So we talk about the interconnectivity between mind, body, and soul. And so if something's going on with us emotionally, um, cognitively, it's going to affect us spiritually. And then, and, and vice versa, the other way around. Um, so when we, uh, emotional health, when we're tending to our emotions or when we feel particular emotions surfacing within us, um, I say the spirituality is a recognition or acknowledgement that there's something bigger out there, something bigger than just ourselves. And, and that could be divine source. It could be name different things with different people. Um, but the way I see it and the, and the connection there is that spirituality. Code blue. To leave in a couple minutes. You have to go for that? Crazy, crazy day. I, I, will, I will end with this. Research has shown that spirituality and, and uh, somebody having a faith tradition or some kind of faith structure, spiritual structure, is the top coping mechanism um, for, for dealing with emotions. So I think Dr. Hadia touched upon this beautifully. When we feel that emotionally something is off, many, many times people, what they do is they lean into their spirituality in order to address what's coming up for them. So spirituality then becomes the channel by which we begin to address what's going on with us emotionally. It can be. Um, and and um, SubhanAllah, we talk about uh, the tools that are within our tradition, right? If we just take prayer, like when we, um, when something is coming up for us and we're feeling angry, I'll just, I'll jump to this when we're feeling angry, our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, gave us tricks and, and tips of what to do when we're feeling angry, right? And that we, we, you know, we uh, redo our ablution, we do redo our wudu. Um, if we're standing, we sit down. If we're sitting down, we lie down, um, take deep breaths, um, revisit our intentions. Um, and what I was saying about prayer is that prayer is such a beautiful tool. So I'm doing this, you know, at the hospital. Um, you take, when I go in to see a patient, what they're giving me is emotion, 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 emotion. Then we talk about, okay, how does this impact your faith and what role does spirituality, you know, play in your life? And when I realize or I, I try and understand what way that, that, that manifests for them in their life, then what I do is I kind of translate the emotion into prayer. So when we end the visit, it's like we take everything that they've been carrying, that burden, um, the anger, the sadness, the fear, the anxiety, anxiousness, whatever it might be, the grief. And then we, we take that and we, we, we say, like, we lift it back up to Allah. Like, we give it right back to the source. And one of my shiuch, when I went to him with, with a, a burden of my own, um, he, said, uh, he said the same thing. He said something so beautiful, and I'm probably going to mess it up now. Um, they said, uh, give it back to the one who uh, essentially gave it to you, right? Um, and so, you know, I can go on and on, but what... I like to say that spirituality is then the channel by which we deal with or address our emotions. Um, and that could be the two. In terms of practical advice for our spiritual health, what I like to say is um, find your spiritual love language. Um, each one of us has a different way that we connect. 
to Allah and our beautiful tradition of Islam gives us many, many different ways to connect. One for every single person out there in the world. Um, for some, it might be the Quran. For some, it might be just silent khadwa or uh, meditation retreat from people. Others, it might be nature we talked about. Others, it might be the, 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 you know, the, the structure of salah, uh, of the ritual prayer, and on and on. So during this time, I think it's a really, really great moment to step back because we're not distracted by everything that we're usually distracted by and get to know yourself. So there's a beautiful saying in our tradition, um, he who knows himself knows his Lord or she who knows herself knows her Lord. And I think that speaks to this idea of when we know ourselves and we know what nourishes us spiritually, what nourishes our heart, um, then we can use that to better connect to, to the Lord of the worlds. And, um, and I found that, you know, in this past Ramadan, the one that was in quarantine, over and over and over again, I heard people say that was the best Ramadan that I've had. Mm -hmm. Of course, there were some, for obvious reasons, we were struggling, we lacked community. For other people, it was really a moment to immerse themselves in, in the, the essence of the month, which is solitude, reflection, slowing down, taking a break, being awake at night, doing the prayers, those kinds of things. And I think that there's a secret there. There's a reason why so many people thought that this past Ramadan was, was one of the most meaningful, right? Maybe it wasn't the best, like let's not put that label on, but it was one that was very meaningful. And, um, and then I, I will end with this and saying, how many of us have thought about God more since March? How many of us have thought about our religious beliefs and our spiritual truths in the year of 2020? And why is that? And what is the connection there? Um, we, we are challenged in life and this world is, is a, a, the boat of, of trial and test and tribulation, right? Um, how does that nudge us back towards our Lord and in what different ways? And so um, getting to know ourselves, getting to know our spiritual love language and beginning to maybe relearn how to speak that language um, or, or becoming more proficient in that language, I should say, um, is something that can be a beautiful practice um, starting from now and then hopefully moving into the next decades. Inshallah. And I'm, I'm so sorry. I apologize. I, I need to excuse myself. Yeah, thank you so much. We know you're really busy. So thank you for, for taking this time to be with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was an thank honor, honor to be among my panelists. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to spend more time with you all, but um, sending you all of my love and my blessings and my prayers for um, health and, and success and ease, inshallah. And may this pass uh, smoothly and quickly. Thank you. Um, going off of what she just said, you know, about this being a time where we are um, kind of taking account and, uh, and starting off or uh, building a new foundation for life. Um, we are also in many ways doing this as a society. Um, and, you know, with all of the, the news that's been, um, you know, blasting over the past few months, um, there's been a lot going on from, um, you know, the pandemic to 
climate change issues to um, all of the tragedies within the Black Lives Matter, uh, Matter movement. And, um, you know, Zaria, I've seen your background. You have Breonna Taylor's name because um, of the recent verdict um, or her, uh, the people who murdered her going free. Um, what, what would you say specifically to Black Muslims who are on top of everything that is going on are also having to watch? Because um, as we know, these issues have been going on for forever. Um, but now just being bombarded on a daily basis with watching this violence, watching the backlash um, and the insensitivity on the other side uh, for people who don't want to acknowledge the violence. Um, what advice do you have to, to Black Muslims um, who might be suffering, um, uh, you know, in, in compound ways? This has been really challenging. I mean, this is a challenging time on multiple levels, um, but just, uh, you know, we're in a pandemic. Um, but on top of that, and I think this speaks to the challenges that I am Black, so I'm going to speak to that. Uh, and I'm sure other people are experiencing all kinds of challenges as well. Um, but I'm really going to speak to the fact that life is challenging as is. Um, and being a Black person in the United States of America, uh, there's subtle microaggressions that take place all the time that we're not even, that we just kind of got to go through because that's life and that's how we have to stay afloat in this, you know, in the, where we live. So now to constantly see that even bigger and basically we see kind of the, what do I want to say, um, almost on a regular basis, images of the fact that my life does not matter. My people's life or people who look like my family do not matter. Um, people can get away with murdering them because what they do not matter. So I am non-valuable. Um, and on top of that, we are disproportionately being of uh, dying of COVID, so of, of the coronavirus. Um, we are disproportionately essential workers. Um, we are disproportionately due to the fact that the unemployment rate in the black community is higher, is always twice as much as the general population. That's a given and has been a given. So these are things like, you know, going back to this is what's happening and now it's always happened and now we have to kind of see it in our face. So it, it's, it's a struggle and that's where you know, I will say regardless of what your faith tradition is, I think in general, black people are faithful people. And honestly, that's been, you know, a strong piece of our community of how we've had to cope to get through because we didn't have other resources to get through regarding that. Um, but I would also say that we have to be conscious of what's happening and those images. And so I would encourage the limitation of those um, images. Uh, because, you know, many of us, if you've experienced that in your personal life, and now you're seeing it over and over by watching, um, I have to say, George Floyd, that I think I was okay. And I, when I speak to my, my friends and family, it was bad. But I think that one put me over the top. I think the Breonna Taylor is like, sadly, this, this piece that is just making me want to, um, I'm really struggling like for her story is making it's like I thought it was bad but now it, I thought it couldn't get any worse if that makes sense but it is for me um and it and you know and maybe that's how you know maybe I'm resonating as black female but 
it, it's challenging. Um, so I want to say this, some of the resources that I'm going to throw out because I think it's valuable is um, Dr. Rahida Walker um, has this book called Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. And I think that's, you know, reaching out to resources. Um, there are some apps that I also want to throw out um, as well that I think are helpful. Um, there's also another doctor, and I'll find it in, in one of my resources, that also has um, something on Black mental health wellness. And I think, you know, one, culturally speaking, we don't, so Black and Muslim, that's definitely, you're not going to go get mental health. Generally speaking, I know I'm making a gross generalization, but I'm going to say, Muslim, you're not going to get help. Two, you're Black, white people go <laughs> get therapy, not you. Um, and that's kind of been, you know, an underlying message, communal message, you know, rich people go get therapy. We ain't rich. We not going to therapy, like things like that. You know, um, these are kind of like things that you will hear, um, or life has always been like that. Why do you need extra help <laughs> kind of thing? And nobody says it in those, I'm, I'm using language that's very clear. Like you, you know, no one needs extra help. That's not actually the lovely way that the person would say it, but that's basically what they're saying. Um, and so again, I go back to, you know, many of the strategies, which, you know, I can I talk about, but limiting, you know, limiting your access, um, focusing on small tasks, um, connecting with family and friends. And I'm also going to say this, if you are an ally to the BLM movement or black people, um, I would then say, please don't ask them to tell their story. Just assume they have a story. Um, just assume they do and just say, I'm here. I'm supportive. Um, you know what I mean? One of the other things that you can possibly do is, you know, be, be supportive and, and state, you know, you're, you're supportive. Also, I always say, you know, I'm, um, I've read so many books like the anti-racist, uh, white fragility, like these have really like, you know, one of the things I also say is get educated. You know, people think they're woke when they're really not woke. Like I've had people walk up to me like, I'm woke. I got you, girl. I'm thinking to myself, the fact that you're like rolling up to tell me you're woke probably means you're really not that woke. Like, you know, that type of thing. Just be woke and keep it moving. Like you don't have to like, and again, you know, you. white fragility, that's <laughs> kind of what comes across. Like, you know, I got to tell you this people, black person, I got to tell you. No, you don't. You don't have to tell me. Let your actions speak for that. Let you support black people, black causes. Let when people say certain things to you, you correct them. You know, you reframe the conversation. So that's all. And also, I will also throw out this to the black woman. You know, there's this myth of the, the black woman, superwoman. I've got to carry it and do it all. Um, and, you know, going back to my previous statement of pre-COVID, you know, current COVID, you know, living in COVID, you know, you, you know, that myth of you know doing it all no one can do it all so you know if there's a few things you can do well then do that well but also but again i go back to giving yourself grace giving yourself grace to not have to do everything perfect um also reaching out to people because there's also that type of stigmatization is you know i, I don't want to i don't want to be perceived as weak i don't want to be perceived as unstable when, when, you know, we're dealing in something, even, you know, our ancestors had to deal with a whole bunch of stuff, um, but, you know, and, and I'm not negating that. I'm also saying though, you know, not many of us have lived through pandemics. 
okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's just a layer on, you know, that is new. Uh, and so don't minimize yourself and be like, oh, you know, but my mom lived through Jim Crow. She did, um, you know, but that doesn't mean minimize living through, you know, this pandemic. And I think that's sometimes what we do also is we negate our feelings um, because we, you know, want to be like, well, and that's again, comparing ourselves. So just being mindful of that comparison um, and get, you know, get things that support you. Go out, there's a lot of positive social media regarding black people getting support. And I think that's, you know, that's helpful. Um, whether it's on, you know, I'm not, I have mixed feelings about social media because sometimes I'm overwhelmed with it. So any of you who are my social media friends, you may be sending me messages and what have you, and I may not be looking at them just because I'm trying to keep my own, give myself grace and keep my own peace by not being overwhelmed by, because sometimes you can't block, you can't unsee what you see. Right. And that's also what I want to be mindful um, of is that I'm seeing things that, you know, sometimes I don't want to see because I'm just not in the headspace. So to avoid that, I am, I'm minimizing, minimizing that. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm going to also find that other, that other site that I also wanted to point out regarding black um, mental health. So I'll look for that. But I also want to say this, I do have, um, and maybe we can, you know, I'm not sure if we can put some like links to some yeah, websites sure. or, or what have you, because there are, you know, I don't want money to also be a way, you know, for people to say, hey, I don't have it. So I can't get the support I need because there are now more than ever, you know, more stuff cropping up to provide people with support um, that is either, you know, low, I'm not going to, some is no cost, some is low cost, um, you know, but I would, but I would just, I want to point that out as well. Like looking at Dr. Rahita Walker's Instagram, that's free, <laughs> where she answers questions on black mental health. That's free. So that's, so, uh, you know, that's what I'm saying when I, when I point, point that out. But let me also, let me look for this other app that I also want to share with yeah. you all. Um, Dr. Hadia, what would you say to people who um, maybe feel like uh, to avoid watching the news or to avoid um, finding out about everything that's going on, um, that that's somehow being insensitive or, uh, you know, um, or not uh, caring or, you know, kind of sticking your head in the sand? How do you find that balance and, and what would you say to those people? I mean, people who are saying don't watch the news, you mean? Um, people, people who resist the idea of limiting the news, people who are like, I need to know what's going on. I mean, going back to that point of, of how much we understand ourselves or reactions or self-awareness, if I see that, if I start having nightmares and I'm not being able to sleep or my sleep is uh, interrupted many times because of the news, then, then I, I think it's time to limit watching it. I mean, unfortunately, uh, some people, even when they know that, they keep on doing it. But I would say even even if we're not for the news that has to do with with anything, not only the pandemic, as we said, like any um, videos, any that might re-traumatize the person, I would say it is important to know the facts. But if that would affect your ability to move on or to 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 do what what you're supposed to be doing, then this is unhealthy. And usually again it's 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 really kind of i mean sometimes we don't need to to know all the details so for people who want really to watch i would say like you know how how is that helpful 
again, if I if this will affect my my me uh, uh, psychologically or sometimes even physically, like you know, some people have a lot of headaches, some people have stomachache because of what they watch. And and as I said, I worked with refugees, and and I know a lot of people who would just who were so obsessed with watching the news, with uh, watching every single video. Um, um, I couldn't watch the video of uh, George Floyd, for example. I tried many times, but then again, being like Syrian and with all my background and the videos that I've seen, I was like, why would I? do that uh, uh, because it will affect me. The point is, what can I do to help bring justice? And and going off from Zaria's point, I think she brought very important points about what we can do and having the resources. And again, we can connect that to the idea of loneliness and the idea of purpose in life because, and subhanAllah, this is all part of our religion. When we think about this is we know we're not gonna be here forever. We have this afterlife. And what really matters is how we bring justice to people who, who, who don't have it. And, and so there are always a lot of things that we can do. We start with our, you know, families, neighborhoods, and then, and then you know, like we go further and further. So, so I guess like even for our children, when we think about, uh, we can be like a huge like role models to them of like, okay, instead of thinking like only about myself, I think about like, okay, how can I improve my community? What's really needed? And, and what, you know, with the resources that Zarya is talking about, like we, we kind of bring it, we make it simple for people because I see a lot of people who would like to help, but sometimes they say, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I mean, it happened mm -hmm. a lot with the people with, with the refugees. They would say, if you tell them, oh my God, half of the Syrian popu uh, refuge, uh, population are refugees now, they'll be like, this is, where can I start? Versus like, okay, there's this family in your neighborhood who, who you might be able to help. The same thing I remember in Chicago, we had like, we had a list of like neighborhoods or like uh, uh, stores where they were, uh, uh, you know, there was, they were damaged. And, and, and I have a friend who, who was organized cleaning those streets and cleaning uh, after, after the protesting for, for George Floyd. So how is this connected to our psychological well-being? We are wired uh, uh, to, 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 to feel happiness when we help others. And when we know that, even if some people resisted and say, no, no, I can't do anything. Actually, no, when you start, when you start helping other people, you can ask every single pe person who, who helped or volunteered and they will tell you there's this happiness that I feel when I'm serving that I can't really explain and I can't really, I mean, I, I have to keep doing it. And, and this, this actually makes us, not only we're doing something for others, so it's making us happy, it's also making us grateful for the things that we already have. Mm -hmm. So subhanAllah, and it's all in our deen. All of this is all part of our deen. Um, so we just need to, to really follow and, 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 and have this action plan and really do things. And we know that we're gonna die and subhanAllah, the, the problems are not, be, not gonna be solved. It's very sad when you think about the, you know, what we see in, the, in this world and all the disasters and the disasters and tragedies. But, but again, going back that Allah, Allah knows all of that. Allah wants to see what we're gonna do. And, and uh, there is a day of judgment and inshallah, we're all gonna get what we're, not to, not to really feel pessimistic, really to feel like kind of optimistic that this will give us the motivation that I do what I'm supposed to be to do. And then it's all in Allah's hands. Back to the idea of the control that we can't, we don't control anything. We just need to work in the circumstances that we have and the, with the resources that we have. A common theme that I've been hearing throughout this discussion is just taking small steps, um, small actionable steps. Um, so 
why don't we close with um, what is one thing you want people to know? Um, if there's one message you want to get out there. Um, and then also, what is something um, that is currently uh, giving you hope about this moment? Can I just add that I found the website that I was talking about, and I just want to say it's therapy for black girls. Um, and I also want to say that finding a therapist, if you can, who uh, mirrors you can be helpful. Uh, so also, there's also um, blackfemaletherapist.com. So just putting that out there. And also saying, historically, just because something has been done by your ancestors or your family doesn't mean it was the best. And sometimes we need to shake up um, tradition uh, and, and chart our own path. Um, I will also say this, as a person who believes in hope and as a person of faith, the other thing that can be challenging is um, when you want to believe that things that happen to you are not gonna happen to your children, yet they are happening. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about racism and sexism and you know, a lot of Islamophobia, those type of things that you're like hoping, you know, that you're kind of past, society is kind of past, but knowing that future generations are still having to deal with it, that can sometimes bring a person down. And it's important to kind of talk about that as a, as a feeling, um, you know, in that. So I, I wanted to, just before I got off on to, you know, closing this up, but I did want to kind of point out a, another resource um, regarding that. So I'm sorry for that part, but then I can go on uh, regarding yeah, the question you answered. You yeah. asked. Okay, so, um, my takeaway of hope, I think I said that earlier, is um, finding creative ways, creative outlets uh, regarding, you know, is there a new skill that you can learn um, that you can incorporate into your, into your life um, would be something that I kind of want people to, I want them to have hope. I guess that's it. And I also want them to know that their faith can be a help um, and there's nothing wrong with combining spirituality and mental health. They're, they're you know, and intertwining that. Support yourself um, in the best way, support you, support your family and the best way that you know, um, and realize there is nothing inherently wrong with you because you're struggling right now. Um, and you may have been struggling beforehand and that's, you know, and that's life. So it's now even more imperative under these unusual circumstances to get the help that you need. And I will say this, telehealth is not seeing somebody in person, but I am also going to say this, you know, for all the apps out there for connecting people with um, mental health professionals, I'm going to say these, some of these individuals would not have been connected because they couldn't have gotten off work. Um, they couldn't have brought their kids, you know, but now having a therapist come into their home utilizing a laptop and a phone may actually help some people get the access they didn't have before. So that's also my hope piece, um, is that this may provide, this pandemic may provide access uh, to resources um, and information that previously we didn't reflect upon or we weren't going to utilize. And so I, I you know, I want to, I want to stick with that as a, as a hope. And then later on, hopefully when, before this gets posted, I, there's some mental health apps I can suggest yeah, love to, to tag along um, that, this, yeah. that 
people could possibly utilize. And lastly, if you get nothing else out of anything that I have said, um, you know, I'm just going to go back to what I've said in previous talks when I've kind of, or when I've been on panels um, at the Women's Mosque, and that is protect your peace and give yourself grace. Um, if you have to say that as a mantra to yourself, then say it. Don't overextend yourself. You know, do not do things that make you uncomfortable to the best of your ability. If you have to parent children, if you have to be a teacher, yes, that makes you uncomfortable, but your kids got to learn. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying, you know, if people are knocking on your door or asking you for things that you can't or asking you to spend your time and you can't or you feel uncomfortable, saying no because it's a safety risk to exposure to COVID, all of that is okay. You know, all of that is okay. So again, I go always back to protect your peace and give yourself grace. Our faith is a faith of mercy and compassion. And that means that if that is a powerful name, some of the most powerful names of God, then that means God gives that to us and we can give that to ourselves and to other people. Beautiful. And I will leave it at that. Thank you. Dr. Hadia, what, uh, what final words do you have, a message for everyone watching, and what is giving you hope about this current moment? MashaAllah, you said beautiful things. What, like a piece of logistics from what you said about the apps, that there are many times people actually don't get the help that they need, even when they want it, is because they don't know how to access services. You know, so there are, you know, if you can provide, I know, for example, one app is BetterHelp and it's it's affordable and sometimes you can call and ask you know community mental health agencies for i know some of them in chicago i'm sure there are like also many in in california that provide the services for very very um like low prices some of them are even like for free so so that's also you know when people know the resources i think they will get more motivated to um to um to get the help that they need. And sometimes it might be like a one session or like a couple sessions. It's, uh, um, you know, it doesn't have to be like long. It really depends on what's going on. Um, I would just, I think many of the points were mentioned going back to the idea that we need to be very, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is merciful with, with us and he's like teaching us to be um, uh, merciful with ourselves and to kind of like uh, focus on the idea of, of gratitude. I mean, I mean, honestly, if we get out of the pandemic with, 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 and we have rewired our brain to think about things differently, I think it will be a huge gift. So what I mean by that is just the idea that to focus on um, what can we learn and to focus on what's really important. SubhanAllah, with gratitude, and, and I know it's mentioned, Sundas also mentioned that, like mm -hmm. it, it makes us um, kind of like refocus instead of thinking, what am I losing because of this pandemic? Thinking about what do I have? And and just us being able to sit here and for the people who are listening to us, that means, alhamdulillah, we're privileged to some extent that we're able, we have our um, physical, very essential needs and we're just here to kind of like learn more. So that's by itself. I mean, the assignment that I give my clients every day is like every day to write three things that they're grateful for. Actually, like, a, like I got this from a teacher who said this next day you write three different things. So what will happen with the, imagine if you're doing this for months, every day you write three things that are different than the day before. 
you're not repeating like when people tell me your oh, family friends and religion health and you know what people like say <laughs> this is which are great things to be grateful for but just the idea that you're making the brain refocusing on the positive you are rewiring the brain so here again to look at this period of time as an opportunity. This is how life is. We go from one challenge to another. It's never meant to be just like easy. Maybe we will feel bored if we're just sitting repeating the same thing. Um, let's utilize this time to, to understand ourselves better, to be like, you know, kind of like curious about why we're feeling in a certain way. Inshallah, once we're done, and remember nothing really lasts. And think about other times actually that we we were we went through difficult times and what helped us and what did we learn so if we think about our lives really we think oh that's the time that the hardship that i went through and the way that i went through it that's what's giving me this um uh, uh happiness or like this like confidence that i can go through another difficult time so let's focus on that and and the last thing you know like i really what's really giving me hope is the going back to the first point where i started that Many people, whether Muslims or non-Muslims, whether believers or not believers, this pandemic, from what I've seen in my clinic, the, it has been motivating them to think about the bigger picture of like, who is in control? What is this higher power? Who is God? And what is this life about? Uh, which is, I think it's, it's great to have for everybody. And people who have faith, they're, they're more focused as Sundo said, uh, and they're trying to, to, to connect more to, to their creator. Thank you. It's, it's almost like we're getting, the whole earth is getting a giant uh, intervention right now. So all of the yeah. <laughs> practices that we had, you know, someone facing an intervention is going to be like, no, life was perfect before, but actually it wasn't. You were under in denial and, um, and maybe numb to, to the problems you had, but, and it is discomforting to change up your regular routines, but inshallah, we can use this time to um, you know, set the record straight on on every in er every area of life, um, not just with um, race relations, but you know, healthcare and schools and families. Um, I mean, I I uh, one of the things I do is I tutor children after school, and I have just noticed that the ones who were acting up before, they are so happy now that they have time with their parents. Um, mm. and like all the children have calmed down completely, um, and so I, you know, uh, also I. I would just say, you know, people just keep in mind what makes money is negative news. And so, um, you know, uh, going off of your point of just, uh, you know, counting your blessings and what you're, what you want to be grateful for. Um, there is so much good that is coming out of this time right now that it's just not being reported because it doesn't make money. Um, and inshallah, you know, I hope this was uh, a small, um, entry uh, into this topic for anyone who's interested in learning more. We'll definitely be posting links and um, sending them out in our newsletter. Um, and, you know, thank you both um, for your time and for Sundas who was with us um, from the hospital. You know, uh, as we know, our prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, um, took an entire year of grief um, after the passing of his beloved wife and uncle. Um, so mourning and grief and um, feeling our feelings um, is not something 
something that is alien to our religion. Um, you know, he always uh, would cry openly in public and when people would challenge his masculinity, he would say, actually, you know, tears are a sign of mercy from God. And so wh whoever doesn't have um, this ability to cry is, is cut off from that mercy. Um, our religion, um, I just wanna clarify, is one that definitely embraces all emotions and um, honesty with our emotions. So um, any way that we can remove that stigma um, or that block between religion and uh, mental health, we definitely want to do that and encourage all of you to do the same, um, whether it's for yourselves or for your loved ones. Um, we hope that, inshallah, this is a time of renewal and rebirth for all of you. Um, and please reach out to us um, uh, at info at womensmoss.com. Um, if you do need resources, we will definitely connect you. Samia um, will be answering the emails. So thank you again to our speakers. Um, thank you for your time and for, you know, really speaking from the heart. Um, and inshallah, I pray that this, uh, this discussion um, is able to help many people who watch it. And thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Salaam alaikum.